I am blessed. Thanks again for the opportunity um, to be here. And again, continue to lift up Gary and his family uh, through this time. And I know that uh, he is going to come tomorrow and he's going to bring a word to you that's going to just uh, encourage our hearts and strengthen us through uh, times in our lives. Um, How many in this room, how many of you have a testimony? Don't be too Pentecostal about it. Wow. Way to knock me down with your praise there. How many in this room, how many in this room have a testimony? You have a testimony. Wow. Wow. Great. You know, the, the thing about testimonies, are, I, think, I think everyone's about the money and not about the test. You know? Yeah, we want the money, but don't, don't, don't give me the test. Don't put me in a situation where I have to, to be tested. We want, we want every, we, we want all the hallelujahs. We want all the mountaintops. We want to skip from here to here to here. And, and that's the way we kind of maybe skate through uh, life a lot of times. And sometimes we get caught up in a lot of that, and we're wondering what, what in the world is going on. And, again, Phil, I appreciate your word last night. I know it's been mentioned several times, but, you know, uh, the cloud. Man, and what are you looking for? And I hope, hopefully, hopefully you found that the answer, you saw the answer last night, and the, the answer may be still on the horizon. Perhaps, though, you came here last night, and, and you saw people getting blessed around the altars, and you, you watched, and you heard testimonies, and you, you rubbed shoulders with some folks today, and, and you heard about what God had done in their life last night, and, and perhaps you're still looking for the cloud. Perhaps you're still here and you're, you're wondering, what, well, what about me, Lord? What is it that I'm do, doing wrong? You, you ever been there? You ever wonder what it is that you're doing wrong? Maybe there's something in your life that's, that's, that's not on, in line and in tune with what, what Jesus uh, is, is wanting. And you're wondering, what, man, what's going on? What's going on? In, in 2005, uh, we were led, we were led, and when I say we, my family, uh, Susie, my wife, playing the flute. I appreciate her so much. And, and uh, my boys, uh, four boys. And it's kind of different. This is a different season in our lives. And many of you that have uh, kids that are grown, you, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, but uh, we had a, a graduation this year. Our oldest, Connor, is graduating. He'll be attending Heidelberg University in the fall. He'll be wrestling for Heidelberg and doing all kinds of stuff. And it's, you know, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard because it was like, you know, we want to send him to an Assembly of God college, but they're, they're way too expensive. And so <laughs> just, just trying to be real with you. Just, no, I'm just, just kidding. For, for, uh, for where, what, what he wanted to do, it just didn't line up. And, and so we're like, no, God, what, what is it that you want us what is it that you want us to do, or what, you, what is it that you want Connor to do? And, you know, he had, he had applied earlier uh, for Heidelberg and got shot down, and, and so we were like, okay, well, that, that door is closed, and we kind of uh, scaled back and said, well, why don't, we, why don't we go to a junior college first, get some of those things done, and, and his heart really, he really wanted to wrestle. You know, you, you know that God knows what the desire of your heart is tonight? You know that? He knows that. He knows the desire. And when you delight in him, the word says that he's going to give you the desire of your heart. And that was his heart's desire. He really wanted to. Well, about a month ago, maybe a little more than a month ago, I received a phone call from the head coach at Heidelberg University, the head wrestling coach. Now, if you know anything about Heidelberg University at all, you'll know this. They are a wrestling powerhouse in the state of Ohio, and not in just in the state of Ohio, but in Division III, uh, NCAA Division III. They've won the OAC like the last th- three out of the last four years. They're just a powerhouse. And this guy calls, and I said, you know, you know it's great to hear from you, but, but my son is, uh, you know, he applied earlier, and he was turned down, and he said, I want him to reapply. Well, well he did, it, uh, took some more testing and d- did some things. Anyway, the coach said, I just want you guys to come, and I want you to visit our campus. And so we said, you know, well, okay, all right. But I told him, I said, listen, I'll tell you right now, right from the start, that we don't have Heidelberg kind of money. You ever been there? You already, you, the reason why I'm not doing this is because I know I don't have the money to do that. Well, we went. We went, and, and, and we're taking a tour of the campus with the head coach for Heidelberg University. And as we're taking this tour, it is evident that the head wrestling coach at Heidelberg University, his name is Ned Shuck, is a born-again Christian. 
Now listen to me about that, because this is the first thing he says to us. I want you to know, this is a very liberal campus. Hello? Imagine that, a Church of Christ campus being liberal. Imagine that. He said, this is a very liberal campus, but I want you to know something. I head up the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at Heidelberg University. Amen? And so we're getting excited then. We're getting, yay, all right. We're getting excited. And he said, I personally lead a Bible study. I personally lead a Bible study every Tuesday night here on the campus. Now, I can't make my athletes come, wink, wink, but they better be here. I love that. You know, I love that. I love that because, because if you didn't come, he would just kick your butt. You know, that would be great. You know, because this guy wrestled at the University of Iowa. Now, you know, <laughs> you ain't going to mess with the University of Iowa when it comes to wrestling, right? And so we were just so excited, and, and God's working uh, things out uh, for him to go there. But he's not here with us because he had a job interview today. He's supposed to be coming in tomorrow, but he was, he was kind of bummed. But I'm like, look, son, you've graduated from high school now. It's time to get a job. But I just want to go to camp the rest of my life. Yeah, so does everybody else. Right? And I, I, we want him to be here, but he couldn't be. And another one of my sons, is he's at football practice tonight because football starts. You know, and I've got another son that's in soccer. And I've got another son that's into everything on planet Earth, I think. You know, he's our youngest, and he's, he's everywhere at all times. He's, you know, he's crazy. But our lives are kind of crazy right now. But in 2005, we got an opportunity to go back to Orville. Now, when I say go back to Orville, some of you know our story, some of you don't. The reality is this is our third time in Orville. (laughs) Sometimes God just don't get it. You know, he just don't understand. Yeah, you think? In 1987, we graduated from Evangel University. (laughs) Who said, whoo, whoo, thanks, 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 Joan, Joan Barth back there, Evangel University, the only Assembly of God campus. <laughs> we, we, listen now, listen now. We graduated from a, uh, Evangel University in 1987. We went into the ministry in Orville. We got a position there in youth ministry, and the only reason why I ended up in Orville is because the other place that was looking at us, paid less. I'm just going to make it real point-blank spiritual, all right? When I got out in 1987, this one church says, we'll offer you $12,000 and, you know, all the milk you can drink. And this other place is the home of Smucker's Jelly, and we'll give you 16000 in jelly. And I'm saying, I'm going there. That's, that's got to be God, right? I'm going there. And, in, and so in 1987, uh, after we were married, we, we ended up at, 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 uh, in, in Orville, and then um, there was a pastoral change in 89, and we, we got a chance to go back um, to my home church, Byersville, Ohio, and David Pafford's here, his wife Beth, his family are here, but uh, David's father, Ever, is my mentor. He's the one that led me to Jesus, and so I got a chance to go back to a place that I had basically I got saved at the age of 18. Some of you are still questioning that. That's all right. Yeah. But we went back to this place, and we were so excited because this is the place. This is the place that I was, man, I, I was ready. You know, I knew all the teachers. I knew all this. We're going to go in there with six guns ablazing, and we're going to see Jesus do great things. And uh, it wasn't long after that that uh, Everett Pafford came to me and said, I, I feel like the Lord is moving us in a new direction. And we were there seven months in, in Byersville, Ohio, when God called Everett to Kokomo, Indiana. And we went with him to Kokomo, Indiana, because, you know, the other option was no job. So we said, we'll go. We'll go to Indiana. So we were in Indiana for about three years. And in 1992, I got a call from Orville, Ohio. There was a new pastor in Orville, Ohio, and he said, hey, I, we've heard about you, and we've heard a little about, about, about your ministry, and they still wanted me, because they... they you know, that was incredible. And so we, we were like, well, that, you never go back to a place where you've left, right? This doesn't make sense. And so we went and we talked to him and heard about what God was doing. We're like, you know, it sounds crazy. And I remember sitting in Everett's office and sitting with him and saying, him saying to us, he said, Chuck, you know, 
it's, you know, you're, you're moving in this direction. It's, it's you know, you, you want to go back in the other direction. I said, I, I just can't explain it. I can't explain it. Ever. I, I don't know what's going on. I just I had to check this out, and we did. And I came back, and the most difficult decision that I had to make is to break away from my mentor and, and, and take a time away from, from that situation. But we really felt like that's what God wanted us to do. Have you ever been there where you know that this is what God wants you to do, but to everybody else it doesn't make any sense at all? Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, two people. The, the rest of you are all need saved. Um, I'm telling you, you, you know, you're there and you're like, man, this is, and it makes no sense to your family. It makes no sense to your friends. And you could be make more, making more money doing this and you could be doing that. And, and if you're doing this, and, but you know that you know that it's God. And we went back and we were so excited. And four months after we were there, the pastor said, I'm resigning. And I, is it us? Is it, is it us? And so I'll never forget everybody. He's like, we're moving. And we're taking the whole staff with us. Great. We're going to go. And we're going to go to a big church. And we're going to go down to Florida. We're going to go somewhere. We're going to find, we're going to move our whole staff in. I said, okay, great. That's what I'll do. That's what we'll do. I guess that's what God wants. Okay, that sounds good. Never heard from him again. You know, I don't, it's gone. My parents did that to me a lot too. I don't understand. But you, but you can Google search a lot of people today. You know, I'm trying to find out where they're. But we, um, we were like, well, God, what do you want us to do? So we had all, of, we had our whole apartment. Susie, we had our whole apartment packed in boxes, and and Dennis Woodruff became the pastor in in Orville, and he came over to visit with us one day, and he saw that our whole our whole apartment was packed and ready to go. He's like, what are you doing? Well, we're, we're leaving. I guess we're leaving. We're waiting for that call. It never came. And uh, so we unpacked the boxes and got got ready, and we, we got in, involved in ministry. And then in, in 1995, into 95, we really felt, actually Susie really felt it was time for us to move in a different direction. I was kind of content. I really liked what we were doing. But uh, I needed to hear uh, from, from God. And, and, man, God uses your wife sometimes to help you hear. Step aside. Step aside, Dave Gross. I'll teach the class tomorrow. I got it, man. So, so we went and pastored in Vermilion, Ohio. We were in Vermilion, Ohio. We, we pastored a work that Dan Betzer started in 1964. It was the very first, if you will, it was the very first Ohio breakthrough church. It was like Ohio Missions Church. And uh, Dan Betzer started that church. And uh, we were there nine years to the day <laughs> when we got a call. Now, this is the difference. I made the call to Orville because I had heard uh, some things, and we had friends there, and I really, really had a heart for Orville, man. We just couldn't understand why we couldn't ever break away from it. And we met with the board, and we made a decision that, okay, we, we need to go back, and we need to go back to that place. Now we're going, that's the third time. Now that's in, in 2005, and I'll never forget Jim, I'll never forget 2005 because before I left, Doug Clay was our network um, uh, superintendent. And, and as our network superintendent, he, sa- he said to us, Chuck, I just want you to know before you go, it's like someone punched the spirit out of that place. The spirit has been sucked out of that place. And maybe that's where you're at tonight. Maybe you're in a place where you feel like the Spirit of God has been sucked out. But let me tell you something. As the Holy Spirit is a living, is a living person, I want you to know something. If you feel like you're in a place right now where the Spirit of God has been sucked out, He's ready to breathe back in you. He's ready to breathe back in you. You just gotta trust and you gotta hold on and you gotta believe and you gotta work through some things. Cause your testimony's coming. The testing you're going through right now, but your testimony's coming. And so there we are. There we are. And I'll never forget. I just love surprises. Don't you love surprises? Don't you love how God surprises you? Because I am literally, I am turning the keys in to the U-Haul. This, I'm not lying to you. I am turning the keys in to, to, to U-Haul. And I had 
the, the chairman of the board standing next to me at the time. And as soon as I turned them in, he said, Pastor, I just, he taps me on the show. I just want you to know something. We have some financial issues. Those didn't seem to come up during our talks. We have some financial issues uh, which we have to deal with. Not the most encouraging news, but, but we managed. In 2008, get this now, in 2008, I successfully grew. Now I'm saying I, help me now. I successfully grew that church from about 60 people to 40. With, with the Lord's help. <laughs> yeah, man. Other churches. I actually had one other church call me. The CMA church in town called me and said, uh, yes, uh, Pastor Davis, would you like to sell your facility? Because we don't really think you need that big of a space anymore. But thanks for the people. <laughs> God bless them CMA people. <laughs> our treasurer paul barth paul raise your hand back there you guys know paul, paul and joan barth these are precious servants of god right here stand up you two i, I just got love on these two people let me tell you something i love these two people <laughs> amen paul was on the board as treasurer at the time and he said pastor we have 800 dollars in the bank and this is pay week. <laughs> so what do we do? Pay me. No. <laughs> I said, what do we do? What do we do? You ever been there? You ever been? Uh, what, what do we do? And I said, well, well, what, there's not enough there. So we'll just trust God. And don't you know that our God is still a miracle-working God? Amen? He works miracles. And, and uh, I, I received a check in the mail from a, a friend in ministry, and another situation happened that more than made up for our paycheck that week. God took care of us. But we were down to 800. Now, we're talking about a, a, a church that when we, when we came in 2005, we had a one-month fuel bill uh, a gas bill of $6,000. Come on, where's all your praise now, people? Come on now. Lift your hands with me. Come on now. Now what are you going to do? And God just continued to show up and continue to revive. But I remember when, when I, was, I was outside, you know, because I was doing some spiritual things outside. I was, I was hitting golf balls. <laughs> That's what spiritual people do. They hit golf balls. I was hitting these golf balls. As I'm hitting these golf balls, this thought came to me, and this thought was this, that we are going to pay off the debt of the church, that this church, is, is going, the debt is going to be retired. And I, and I believed at the time, it was about 2008, that in five years, I really felt like five years, and I remember calling Paul Barth and saying to him, Paul, there's something in my spirit that I'm just... I, I'm just tugging with right now, and I want to make sure this is God, but I know that we're going to pay this debt, that somehow, way, the debt on this building is going to get paid off. And he said, I agree with you. How many of you know that you need maybe someone to come alongside and agree with you in Coshocton and agree with you in Newcomerstown and agree with you wherever you're at in the situation? That's, that's all you need. All you need maybe is somebody, an Aaron and an Ur, to come alongside of you and lift your arms up and say, you know what? It might look bad right now, but you know what? I, I believe in you, and I believe in what God is going to do, and so that's what we did. And that's when the e economy went in the tank. You remember that in 2008? Stock markets went way down. It's terrible. It was horrible. What are we going to do? And I remember sitting with the board. I remember sitting around the table, and they said, our economy is bad. Our finances are bad. What are we going to do? And I remembered learning a principle a long time ago from Brother John Bunny, a, a wonderful man of God. I remember him saying to me, Chuck, if you want to see God bless you and your ministry and your church, be a funnel. 
the bigger funnel you are, man, the more blessing God is going to funnel through you. And the first three letters of funnel is fun. And you want to have fun in ministry. You start trusting God. You start believing God. And you start doing things that sound crazy to everybody else. And so I mentioned to these guys, I said, we need to give more to missions. Oh, come on. You got, we we got to give more, but we don't have. And I remember Paul sitting back there going, Ooh. right, Paul? Come on. I don't but we did. We believed and we trusted God, and God turned that situation around. God turned the situation around to the point where we had over $50,000 in the bank. You see, that's God. God can do that. If, if you, God, money ain't anything to God. If you believe, you just trust. And so we're, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to trust and we're going to believe. And, and so we've seen this great thing happen. And we've seen that we had the, the, the finances come back. And it was this huge step of faith. And it was a great win for everybody in the church. And, you know, I, I was just thinking about this word miracle. Because you hear a lot of times, you hear a lot of people talk about a miracle. Man, it's just, this miracle is taking place. And I looked at the definition for miracle, and the, the definition is it's a surprising and welcome event that is not explained by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. Amen. How many you need? How many you need to move from the, the natural to the supernatural? You see, it's, it's not you that puts the super on natural. It's the Holy Spirit in you and through you that does that, that does that work. And so we were, we were just living the dream, I thought, at the time. $50,000 in the bank, but then the roof went bad in the building. we got to fix that roof. Well, how much is that going to cost? <laughs> it wasn't quite. $40,000 to fix the roof. Well, let me tell you something. It doesn't take faith. It doesn't take faith to fix a $40,000 roof with $50,000. But you know what this great man of faith did? You know what I said? We need to go to the bank and find out if we can get a loan. You know what the bank said? You are a high risk. Me? Your church and churches are a high risk and you will not qualify for a loan. And see you know what I did? I went back to, be, to our board meeting. I sat before my board and I repented. I said, man, I want to tell you something. This is the first route that we went, but it was wrong. We need to step out and believe again. And, you know, we, we did that. We fixed the roof. The roof was fine. Great fantastic, and we still have about $14,000 left in the bank. I'm like, this is awesome. We still have some more roofs to fix, but man, this is so awesome that this, this all happened. But there was this other situation that was going on at the same time in our church, and it, it's probably what all churches deal with, this looming mortgage thing. You know what I'm saying? Pastors, help me out. You know what I'm talking about? And for some people in this room, you know, what our mortgage was is probably just a drop in the bucket for you. But for us, it was huge. We've seen some things. We've seen God do some things. We've seen some situations turn around. And we're averaging about 100 people now, which is, which is great. I mean, God's doing some great things. But, but we also knew we had this mortgage. And that mortgage represented $2,000 a month going out of our church. $2,000 a month. And I kept looking at that saying... Man, something's got to happen here. Something's got to turn around because that's $2,000 every month that we could be using for the kingdom. That we're paying to a bank. That God knows what they're doing with that money. Right? And so, so what are we going to do? We're going to believe God. We're going to trust God. In May of this year, in May of this year, I received a phone call from Deacon Gary Dehart. Deacon Gary Dehart is the lead or the head deacon at First Baptist Church in Orville, Ohio. First Baptist Church is a black Baptist church in Orville, Ohio. They rock and roll, and they are more Pentecostal than anybody in this room, I'm telling you right now. 
I mean, they got four ladies that sing in their choir that can scream the pain off the back wall. I'm telling you right now. And Brother Dehart calls me and he says, our pastor would be honored to have you come and preach in one of our services. We are celebrating our 90th anniversary. And, you know, I thought, are, are, you, are you sure? You know, I'm, I'm white. And they said, they said, well, Brother Poole likes your spirit. He likes the spirit, I'm telling you what. And uh, so I said, well, when, and June the 22nd, just a, not a short time ago, June 22nd was the day. He goes, not only that, but we want you to bring your choir. I said, I said, our choir is white. <laughs> he said, brother, we just want you and we want your church to come in to move into our church. And we want you to preach and sing and lead worship. Now, we're going to have church on Sunday morning. They started at 11 o'clock, and, and he said, we'll be done by 1, and then we're going to have a meal, and we want you to come and be a, be a part of that and do all that. And I said, fantastic, we'll do it. We'll do it. So I'm sitting there thinking about, what am I going to, it's their 90th anniversary, all the things, and I knew, I knew a lot of things about this church. I knew, I knew, number one, I knew this church was known in our community to eat pastors alive. I mean, they just swallowed them whole. I'm serious, man. They are ruthless. I mean, I've heard stories, man. Wow. Are you sure, God, you want me to go to this church? And I am on the rider mower at my house. Let me tell you something. Women of God in the house. If you want your man of God to hear from God, buy him a mower. Come on. The Holy Spirit can talk to you when you're on the mower. And I'm on the mower mowing. And I'm mowing along. And I'm going along. And, and I, the Holy Spirit, I know it's the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to blame him. Uh, the Holy Spirit puts this thought in my head. He says, he says, Man, you're going, you're going to go to First Baptist Church to be a blessing. I said, yeah. Going to preach the word of God. Now, I'm ready to go. You know? <laughs> and he says, he says, but uh, the blessing that you're going to bring is not just in the word. I want you to plant a financial blessing into that ministry. And I said, No. Because I'm a great man of faith. I said, no. He said, no, I, I want you to plan a financial. I want you to plan a financial blessing in their ministry. I said, well, how much? And I felt like it was supposed to be a representation of the retirement of your debt. And so our debt on our church is 120000 120,000 bucks. So I went to the board meeting with this number in mind that we are going to take a financial seed of $1,200, 1% of our debt, and we're going to sow it into this other ministry. I got to the board meeting. We did all the preliminaries. Paul went through the finances, and Paul says, well, looking at the finances, everything is down. Just where God wants you to be. Everything is down. The finances are down. Things are down. We really have to, I don't know if these are the exact words, but Paul is, we really have to watch what goes out. And yeah, that was all done. We approved it. Okay, any new business? Yeah. Um. Just one thing. Just one thing. I, I feel like um, 
we're going to be a blessing at First Baptist Church, right, man? Yes, oh, man, we're all signed up. We're ready to go. They're going to feed us over there. It's going to be great. We're going to be a financial blessing, right? Yes, we are. A what? It's going to be a financial blessing. Well, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, I, I, I was on the mower. <laughs> the one that you people bought that the pastor shouldn't be on. I did. I'm, make, I'm making that all up. <laughs> and uh, I felt like the Lord wants us to sow a seed into this ministry. $1,200. 1% of our overall debt of our church. They said, let's do it. I said, let's do it. Then I had another board member that said, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we do this? Why don't we talk to our church and why don't we open it up to them and see what they'll give? We'll give the 1200 as a church, and then whatever comes in in the offering on June 22nd in the morning, we'll combine that and we'll take that over. Okay. That's awesome. So we, we told the church what we are going to do. We came, and I said, now it's time to bring your best gift to, forward. And they did. And... Uh, the lady that writes out our check said, said about well, $1,197 came in. Do you want me to round it up to $1,200? <laughs> and I said, and I said, no, make it for $2,400. And she said, huh? And I said, well, we've already agreed on the board. Now, this is true. We already agreed with the board that we would give $1,200 from the church and whatever came in. She left, walked down the stairs, found a board member. Um, now, pastor just said, is this, and this board member says to her, whatever he said to do, let's do it. And we're going to trust God that he's going to supply. Amen? Amen. She's a great woman of God, don't doubt, but she was thinking maybe he's, you know, out on the mower in the sun. How many of you want to know what happened? I need you to, I need you to watch this. Pastor Poole, I'd like you to come. Sister Poole, I'd like you to come on the platform with me right now. Because I want to, I want to share something. I want to share something. The, the farmer doesn't ever receive the harvest unless the seed is sown. Unless the seed is sown. And listen, God didn't sow a seed here 90 years ago for you to sit in this little place and say, well, come here and bless us, Lord, in this little place. God has other places for you. Other places for you. Deeper places for you. So last Sunday, I got before our congregation and I said, church, I believe that the Lord wants us to sow a seed into this ministry. Yeah. And I said, I want you to come on the 22nd of the morning service, and I want you to sow your best seed. See, the mentality is, well, when we committed to $1,200, we'll get an offering, we'll get an offering and, and we'll just make up the rest. No. The offering, it was already decided. We said we are going to take whatever we have in the bank. We are going to sow a seed of 1% into this ministry, which is $1,200. We took the offering this morning, Pastor, and $1,200 came in the offering. Because I believe in the power of seed. On behalf of Calvary, and on behalf of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we, Calvary, want to sow a seed in this ministry of $2,400. Oh, Listen, on Tuesday of this week, 
I had a lady call my office, Pastor, and she said to me, what is the debt on your church? And I said, $123,855. And she said to me, the check is in. Somebody give him praise. It's all right to stand up and give the Lord praise. Come on. Come on. Somebody help me out. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you crazy? You're crazy. <laughs> Are you serious? Are you serious? Can God do that? Can God do that? Can God do that in your situation? I don't know where you're at and where you come from and what you got to go back to, but I do know this. God is still God. Phil talked about the cloud last night, but I'm telling you right now, the rain is so much sweeter than the cloud, right? And the Lord is ready just to rain out on people's hearts and lives, and there's pastors here. Listen, I don't know if this was for individuals or just for pastors here to hear this tonight. Where you've been sowing, where you've been doing that, you keep doing it. You keep casting that seed. You know, a lot of times we just get hung up in this book. We get, we get hung up in the Word of God, and it's a great place to get hung up on. But sometimes we just start looking for something. Lord, I, and sometimes we look at it and we go, man, this, is, this book is, is, is do's and don'ts. Don't do this. Do this. If I do this, if I, if I somehow do all these things, I'm going to get blessed. Listen, I don't want you to look at the Word of God ever as being a, a, a list of do's and don'ts. I want you to see this as a bag of seed. And every Every word that's in this book is a seed that you sow in your spirit. And you might be all alone in that little place where you're at right now, and I want to tell you something. You hang on. You hold on. You trust God. You trust God because he knows you, and he knows where you're at, and he's going to meet your need $123,855 later. Ain't nothing for God. Ain't nothing for God. You know, I want you to turn in your Bibles to, to John's gospel. I don't have any fancy little PowerPoint things like Phil. He was going to try to help me do that stuff, but he does all that stuff. He's good stuff, and Matt was going to help me do it. And I'm like, nah, I want you just to focus right here. And this is great. I love this, but I want you to focus right here tonight in this, in this word. Amen. Are you with me? John's Gospel, the fifth chapter, says this. And after this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And by the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda, in a Hebrew which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the sick and the blind and the lame and the paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water, because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time, and stir up the water. Then the first one who got in after the water was stirred up, recovered from whatever ailment they had. And one man, one man was there who was sick. One man was there for 38 years. For 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Verse 8. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. I love that. Get up, pick up, and walk. Say that with me. Get up, pick up, and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. I love that. Now, I'm not going to finish reading that, but I love that portion of Scripture. I love that passage. Talk about the miraculous things that take place. But one of the things that I looked at when I looked at that passage was this, the, that phrase that said, 
what do you want? What do you want me to do? I mean, the question is, do you want to get well? What do you mean, do you want to get well? And I kept thinking about that verse. I kept thinking about that passage. And I kept thinking about the reality of this guy. 38 years. 38 years. And you think, you would think after, after year one or two, you know, he'd start rolling down a little closer. You know, I'm going to get a little closer. Because I know that that, 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 that pool is going to be stirred. And if I, could just, if I could just get a little closer. And I want to challenge you tonight because I think what happens in the church today is we put a lot of faith and we put a lot of trust in things that aren't God. We put a lot of faith and we put a lot of trust in the man of God behind the pulpit. Hello? Are you with me? We, we put a lot of faith and we put a lot of trust in our bank accounts. We put a lot of faith and we put a lot of trust in our abilities. We put a lot of faith and a lot of trust in the people. And, and, and as good as the people are, as good as the pastors are, as good as the gifts and all those things are, we need to put our faith and trust in God. Trust me. Trust me. What is a miracle? A miracle is a surprising and welcome event. This man wanted a miracle, but for 38 years, he couldn't slither on down to the edge. I would have been the first one in there, I guarantee it. After day two, somebody dragged me down there, I'm going to be the next one in. But the moment, the moment Jesus, the Word, spoke to his life, everything changed. It wasn't the pool that needed stirring. It was his heart that needed stirring. It was the word of God that needed to be the stirring stick in his life. And when the word of God spoke into that man's life, he got up, picked up, and walked away. And I think it's time in the cities across Ohio to start getting up, picking up, and walking. God has already called you. He's already placed you. He's already equipped you, each and every one of you. Stop looking at your pastor to lead you here, to lead you there. To lead you. Listen, God has given you gifts. He's given you talents. He's given you abilities. Why don't you start coming alongside of your pastor and say, let's work together to see this city change for the glory of God. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about this word, and this word works every time. And you might be on your mower and God might speak to you. And if that's the case, listen to what he has to say. Because your miracle's right around the corner. You can shut it off. And you can walk away. And you can miss everything that God wants for you. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, I think we've cheapened that word miracle. I couldn't, couldn't help but think as I was thinking about this. We've cheapened the word miracle. I mean... We call mayonnaise Miracle Whip. I'm like, I mean, I love Miracle Whip, but I have never received like a heavenly vision. When I put Miracle we put, just rub it on there, and man, it's a miracle. Have you tried this? That's miraculous. Put that in your chops and chew on that for a while and swallow that whole. Let that settle in your gullet. Isn't that life-changing? No, it's gut-changing. It doesn't change my life. Man, miracle whip, are you kidding me? You want a true miracle? You want a true? Have my teenage boys pick up their clothes and put them in a hamper. That's a miracle. That is a miracle. Man, I will worship Jesus all the time. It don't happen, man. People looking for a miracle weight loss. You know, this, just stop eating. You don't have to like me anymore. You have to love me. You don't have to like me. I'm going to go away in a few days, you know, and. But I put a pill in and you're a miracle. It's just, it's just going to melt away. Your mind is melting away. What are you talking about? It's, 
But if my kids would take out the trash, that would be a miracle. Man, I would be excited. I'd be worshiping Jesus. My kids took out the trash. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God is moving in his house. The trash is, he took my trash away. He took my trash away. You know, I have people and, you know, the, the, you've been in there when the, when the baby's born. and Oh, isn't that a miracle? That's a miracle. And there are miraculous things about it. But <laughs> come on, man. I mean, the baby grows up and breaks your heart. That's not a miracle anymore. <laughs> My miracle turned into the Antichrist. I want him dead. You know, I mean, you open the refrigerator door, can't you shut it? My little miracle from God, shut the door. It's not that hard. God. Come on, yeah, you're going to have a miracle all the way across the state, man, things like this. They better be teaching that over in that youth room tonight. I know that. I'm... I mean, in Hickory Lounge, the, that, that guy, I don't know who that is, but he's related to the Hart family. He, we, he's going to turn in Hickory Lodge into a lounge, and where's next? Who's, I don't know what's happening next. If you were here last night, you would have missed it. That's all right. In Matthew 21, it says these words. In Matthew 21, verse number 18, it says this. Early in the morning, as he was returning to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found it. Nothing on it except leaves. And he said to it, Jesus said to this fig tree, may no fruit ever come on you again. Man, when I first got saved and read that, I said, man, Jesus is a spoiled Man, he didn't get what he wanted. He didn't get what he wanted, and, and he curses things, and they die. That'd make a great ministry, wouldn't it? But you start to read this, and you start to study it, and you start to understand some things. And I just want to leave you with this tonight. Jesus, Jesus, when they came back the next day, they see that this fig tree is withered, and they say this. How did this happen so quickly? Because let me tell you something, the Word of God, when we get out of the way, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any double-edged sword. It's able to the dividing between the soul, the spirit, the joint, and the marrow. is a discerner in the thoughts and the intents of your heart. David said, I have hidden your Word in me. So why? So I would not sin against you. The Word is powerful. There's power of life and death in your tongue. The Word, the spoken Word. I, I still believe that the spoken Word is still, is still powerful today. Do you still believe that? Because if you don't, we might as well nail the doors shut. We might as well put for sale signs on the door and move on. This is still the most powerful read that you will ever read in your life. You will read uh, books by leaders and powerful people in the world, but they pale in comparison to the power of the spoken Word of God. Let me submit to you that we need to learn how to speak the Word again in our churches. Amen? Say it. Say it. This is what the Word says. I don't understand how it works. It does because it's the Word of God. I don't get it, all right? Uh, can I be all open with you? I just don't understand sometimes, but I know it does. And I don't have to understand. I just have to trust. I just have to trust. So in Matthew 28, Jesus says to them, to them th these words, I assure you, if you have faith, if you do not doubt, and you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but even if I, uh, you tell the mountain be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done. And if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. He says these if statements. If you have faith. 
Our church service starts at 1017 on Sunday mornings. And we start at 1017 because they used to start at 10. And nobody showed up then anyway. So they said, we'll start at 1030. No, because if we start at 1030, then we won't start until 1045. So, so I said, we are starting at 1017 because my favorite verse in the Bible is Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes by and hearing by the You sound so excited when you say that. Faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you have faith, Jesus says. If you have faith. Everyone's been given a measure, right? Everyone's had a measure of faith. You've been given a measure. Some people's faith muscles are are bigger than others. Why? Because some people exercise their faith more than others. You, you You know what standing before people and saying, let's just give somebody else money is? It's a step of faith. But you know what happens? Do you know what happens to a congregation when we, what we watched happens? Their faith muscles just go, I mean, it's, it's big pet time at my church. I'm telling you right now. We might not be the biggest assembly of God church in the world, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Our pecs are huge. I'm telling you what. We, we got some guns. We got some guns at our church. Right? So if you're going to come into our church, if you want to speak at our church, you better bring the word. You better bring a word, and it better be the word of God. Because if not, man, you're going to get bench pressed right on out of there. I'm just telling you right now. You're going to get kicked to the curb. That's what's going to happen. Faith comes by hearing, and if you have faith. And then Jesus says, and if you say, say it. Oh, we can't say that. How many times have you ever done this? You've gone to somebody, uh, you got to go pray for sister so-and-so, you got to go pray for them because they got cancer. And so, okay, I'm, I'm going. And I got my anointing oil. <laughs> you know, you, you're going to coat them up real good. I am going to pray for them. And you lay hands on them, and the first thought in your mind is, they have cancer. The first thought in your mind is, they have cancer. And hey, you know. Isn't being with Jesus the complete healing anyway? So while we're praying, Lord, heal this person, in our minds we're thinking, they got the big C, they're gone. Right? Jesus wants us to exercise our faith muscles. And you know what? Before a word is spoken, it is first thought. Amen? Get your mind right. Get your mind right. For 18 years, I, I lived in the world, right? I still live in this world, I think. But for 18 years, I wasn't living for Jesus. And so my mind was just filled with all the things that have happened in the world. You know what had to happen when I turned 18? When I got saved, when I gave my life to Christ, a whole new language came on me. A whole new language. I had to learn a whole new language. How many of you can speak more than one language? Let's see your hand. All right, a, a few of you. I can speak more than one language. It's tough to learn another language. I don't know how to speak. I, I, I'm still trying to get English down. But uh, you, you people that can speak it more than, more than one language, man, you can understand. It's work. It takes a while. And there are some times when you say things, it doesn't come out right. For example, my friend Rudy Swanepoel, many of you know Rudy, uh, him and his wife Sharon, wonderful servants of God. I remember when he pastored in Illyria. He was pastoring in Illyria, and he was teaching on marriage. Pastor Dave, he was teaching on marriage, and he was just letting them have it, and Sharon always sat in the front row. And he said, he said you know, he was trying to, 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 to communicate to the people that, that a man needs to leave his family and cleave unto his wife. So Rudy is preaching away, and he said, and what we need in the church, what we need to have in the church what we need is more cleavage in the church. Now, he, you, you did exactly what they did. He, didn't know, he did not know what he's, he was saying. But as they were erupting in laughter, Sharon's on the front row, stands to her feet, and she says, Preach it, brother. Preach it. Just preach it. A little bit of language issue uh, going on. We got, we got language issues in the church. See, a lot of times, a lot of times we, we say things that we don't mean, right? Or, or, or
or we mean things that we don't say. And we got to learn how to speak kingdom speak and talk what the word says to talk. Say it. Let's say it in the church. Let's say what the word says. Let's do what the word says. Because Jesus says, if you have faith and if you say it, but then he says, he says, finally, if you believe. Now, what about this fig tree? What about this fig tree? This fig tree, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can go with this fig tree. This is the way I go with it. The fig tree, it says, had leaves. And there's something about a tree that has leaves that's inviting to you. You see, a tree that's in leaf in that season should possess a fruit. Everything about the tree looked like it should be bearing fruit, but it didn't. And a lot of times in the church today, we have people that look like they're serving Jesus. We got the look. We got the book under the arm. We got the look. And everything about us appears, has the form, but we deny the power thereof. Can I submit to you tonight that Jesus is looking to bless his church, but he's looking not for a bunch of leaves. He's looking for a bunch of fruity people. He's looking, he's looking for people that are bearing fruit. And right now, you may be bearing fruit through a tremendous load that you're going through. Can I just submit to you, if you would just have faith, if you would just say it, if you would just continue to believe it, that God is going to pour out a blessing on you that you can't contain. You want to have revival in your church? Why don't you have revival in your first, in, in your own life? Why don't you begin to do what God's told us to do? I want everyone to stand to their feet tonight. Worship team, you can come back tonight. I don't even know, I don't even know where we're going with this tonight around the altars yet, but I do know this. I do know this. There's a several, there are several series, if you will. There are several things, if you will, in, in, in the Word of God where Jesus says these words. You have heard that it's been said, but I say unto you, and I look around here tonight, and I'm sure that there are people that probably were similar to our situation. When I went back to Orville, some of the pastors in the town met with me and said, oh, you pastor that church up on the hill over there, you guys have a bad reputation in our community. Come on. Come on. I'm not going to receive it. You know what? I'm going to believe what the, the Word of God says. And if he ha we had a bad reputation, you know what we're about to do? We're about to turn this ship around. And we're not going to do it under my strength or power or might, but by His strength and power and might. You might be here tonight and you might be in a situation and you might be saying, this situation is impossible. But I want to resubmit to you this. God's word says all things are possible through him. You might be here tonight and you might be saying, uh, I'm, just, I'm just too tired. God says, enter into me and I'm going to give you rest. You might be here tonight and say, nobody really loves or, or nobody really cares for me anymore. I want to remind you what God's word says, that he loves you, that he so loves you that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. You might be here and you might be saying, Pastor Chuck, I can't do this anymore. I can't go on. But his word says this to you. My grace is sufficient for you. You might be here tonight and you might be saying, after what I've done, I've destroyed my marriage. I've destroyed my relationship with my kids. I've destroyed all these things. And you can't forgive yourself. I can't forgive myself. But I want you to rem remember tonight what God's Word says. God's Word says, I forgive you, child. I love you. I can't manage this anymore, God. I can't do it anymore. My God says, I will supply all of your needs. You are more than able. I'm afraid. I'm full of fear. God's word says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a soundness of mind. I'm worried. I'm frustrated. What am I going to do with my children? What am I going to do with this situation? Cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. I'm not smart enough. I don't get it. I will give you wisdom, God says. I feel all alone. I don't know what to do. I will never leave you or I ever forsake you. 
This is what the world might say in your life right now. But what is the Lord saying unto you tonight? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We're going to anoint you with oil tonight. We got Carl's here. He's got some oil. Because I believe tonight there are people that are walking around and you're waiting for that pool to be stirred. Stop it. Stop trusting in the pool. Stop trusting in that situation. You start trusting in Jesus right now. And they start singing this song. We're going to pray for freedom in this house. Oh man, last night the cloud, you saw the cloud. Man, some of you got the rain. Oh, but tonight, tonight is going to continue. The word's going to get spoken over you tonight. We're going to declare the promises of God. We're going to plant seeds from the bag of seeds that he's given us called the word of God. And we're going to see a harvest. We're going to see a harvest for his glory.